No one has the balls to stand up like I'm doing right now. Let's stop the crap already. We're all Americans. We're all equal. I don't see black. I don't see Asian. I don't see anything but American. Welcome to One Tough Podcast. We bring ourselves up to date with what's going on all week long. Today, I got a friend of mine. How many years? How many years? Oh, way back to when you were running against Congressman Floyd Flake for the congressional seat. Six and I and my wife at the time, I'm forgetting which one. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, that's right, Lisa. You came out to your fundraiser in Howard Beach, and a lot of people don't realize you came within a 2,500 votes. Right. A hair of beating Floyd Flake. And the problem there was... Brian McCabe, they threw him in at the end for 4,000 votes. He pulled out of Rockaway. I don't think those 4,000 votes were going to Floyd Flake, and he took it. And I'll never forget, we went to Joe DeCandia's place in Howard Beach, and we went in there. I had a victory party. It was a losing party. And next thing is, they walk in, McCabe and his wife. They said, well, you know, Brian, we gave it a shot. She goes, oh, no, we didn't lose. The next day it was announced that Floyd Flake put in Brian McCabe as his chief of staff. Yep. Duh, Bo learned about <laughs> politics like you learned about politics. Oh, exactly. But that was incredible because everybody said you didn't have a chance. Yeah. You know, the, a lot of that area was African-American when you go into Southeast Queens. Plus, he was a noted pastor, huge church, so he had immediate turnout, and had it not been for the Irish Riviera, you would have won. Well, listen to me, you don't remember, but who turned on me at the end was a guy named Al D'Amato. Because if I, I did my investigation, and I found out that Al D'Amato was being delivered the African Episcopal Methodist Church. Floyd Flake was delivering him all those votes all along. So when at the end, first he endorsed me with Ronald Reagan was there, Al D'Amato was there, rah, rah, Bo, Bo's our guy and all that. Then when all of a sudden Floyd Flake won the Democratic thing over Walton, then I said, we're going to get some photographs taken, Mr. Senator. And we were on Fresh Pond Road. And Curtis, so help me God, I grab him. And also my brother Al was still alive. He's, he passed away, my brother, my best friend. So all of a sudden I grab him on French Pond Road. And I said, hey, Senator, you're going to get take some pictures and give me the endorsement? He goes, look at Bow. I'll do what I want to do. I grab him by his shirt. I said, I want to crack you right in your face. My brother held my arm back. And <laughs> I'm on the model. I said, I'll punch you in your face, too. I, you know, I'm, I'm running for something here I believe in like you did, Curtis. Yes, yes. You know, and then all of a sudden you start to learn, you know, the escape valves of all the Well, remember, you weren't alone. Remember how Alphonse Alleyboy D'Amato turned on Rudy when Rudy was running the first time in 88 to save our city from Dinkins. They ran Ronald Lauder, the perfume queen, against Rudy. He spent millions, and then he had the conservative line. So he continued to run, even though Rudy beat him in the Republican primary, and that was all D'Amato. You know, Curtis, I didn't know we were going to talk about this, but I love it. Now, the one big thing that we had was when I ran... I didn't know. My brother Al says, oh, oh, you want to cover New York Magazine, all this crap. You could run for Congress. Joe Adabo died in office. I said, what does a congressman do? So next thing is I get a call from Lee Atwater in Washington, and he says, Bo, we'd like you to come down here, meet with Casper Weinberger, the head of defense, and also the Graham Rugman balanced budget. 
So I went for two weeks down there. They let me go to all these classes of learning about the issues. So now I go and I get called again. And Ronald Reagan's guy, Lee Atwater, calls me and I brought my, my daughter Jacqueline, my brother Al with me. They couldn't go into the White House. Next thing is the guy from Arizona, Goldwater, Barry Goldwater, the United States Senator, were waiting. And they were waiting for me to come in to see the president. It was supposed to be for a photo app. And you could go online, Bo Deedle, Ronald Reagan. It's a 15-minute thing where Ronald Reagan is asking me about being an iron worker and about being the decoy mug 500 times, all that crap, right? Ronald Reagan was clear as a bell. There was no problem with his head. So now I come back to New York. So the New York Times, my my friends at the New York Times put an editorial, and they spelt my name wrong, too, that Bo Deedle was a great detective, but he doesn't have a clue about running for Congress. I call up Max Frankel, the head of the New York Times, Curtis. And I said, well, all due respect, Mr. Frankel, I says, why wouldn't you interview me, see if I know anything? Right. So he goes, you want to come down before the editorial board today, 2 o'clock? I said, I'll be there. So I bring my sergeant, Billy Campbell, with me. He was involved with my campaign. I put this big tape recorder on the table, this big, long table of people from the New York Times. I put it on, Curtis. I said, this so I don't get misquoted. I put it two hours talking about getting stabbed, shot out, all the crap, being one of the original decoys. Next thing is they print a retraction the next day, and they said that Bo Dieter would make the most formidable congressman from the area. He knows the issues very well, the crack problem. My last case was the Palm Sunday massacre where the guy killed 10 people. So all this crap came out. Next thing, Curtis, is that you, they they actually put a retraction. He said, we apologize to Bo for spelling his name wrong, and we does know the issues, although we're not going to change our endorsement with their endorsing of Floyd Flake. But when do you ever get an apology for the New York Times? No, never. That never happens. But by the way, you know, with the passing of Ray Liotta, that oh. famous scene, it stands out in my mind when you jam him up at the end, yeah. you know, when the helicopter's over his head and he's riding uh, around and then you guys <laughs> jump him and you arrest him and you bring him to the station house. <laughs> and I remember you were sweating him down say, hey, tough guy, you're going away for a long, long time. Next thing you know... He's out there, what, Wyoming in the Witness Protection Program, Henry Hill. Well, let me tell you, as far as actors go, Curtis, this was one of his first parts. Mm. He was in every scene. It was probably one of the greatest performances by an actor. Oh, absolutely. He took it up. Did you see how they looked with the dark circles when he was coked out and all that? That was a great movie. And Nick Pileggi, who I'm going to be doing another big movie with, but Nick Pileggi wrote it, was called Wise Guy. So when I first retired, he found out about it. He called me to his, he had an apartment, I think, on 18th Street, and he had that old Remington typewriter. He's typing away. He was writing a book called Wise Guy. So he goes, wait a second, Bo, you're from Ozone Park. Did you know Henry Hill? I said, oh, that's scumbag. I says, we used to throw him out of the bar at the Stratton on Queens Boulevard. He's a punk. Oh, well, now he wrote a book. So next thing is, he goes, did you know Jimmy Burke? I said, we used to drink 10-cent beers with my illegal draft card on Leffitt's Boulevard. We used to have 10-cent beers. So now he's naming all these. And I said, I also locked up Jimmy Burke on two homicides when I was in the 7-5 homicide team. So he's rattling these names. Paul Vario, he had the Carlisle. Out on land camp. Oh, sure. So everybody's rattling away, and then the whole thing with the Lufthansa and stick up and all. So I, that's how I first got involved. Then he introduced me to, you know, he wrote the feature article on me in New York Magazine, which probably was the difference between me and every other cop, detective, whatever. That catapulted me. Also, they mentioned about the one thing I had that nobody else had the Rayo's table every Thursday night. 
Every one of these corporate guys and actors, everybody wanted to have dinner at Rails with Bo. So I thought they liked me, Curtis. It was all my accessibility to the Rails. Of course, so, of course. So, you know, we, 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 I would say the difference in my life, and also the physical strength. Yes. When, when I was in Richmond High School, I was a high bar champion and parallel bars, but we had a physical fitness team. That was after Kennedy got whacked in 63. So you had five guys that did push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, squat thrust, run. We had a team of five guys that competed all over the country. We used to compete the, the finals at Quantico Marine Corps Base. Sure. So we were doing four hours a day. When I went into the police academy, it was like a joke. I used to do 40 pull-ups, 180 push-ups. I just did 82 and 82 push-ups before I came. Now, how did you do on the rope? Because that's where all guys were embarrassed, well, having that, to go up the rope. That was one of my real fast ones, and I wouldn't use my legs. We were doing it in an L-shape right up the rope and bang the top thing. I was there, Kurt, but you got to remember, I kind of cheated because I had four hours a day on Thanksgiving morning, we'd be in Cunningham Park doing push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, squat thrusts. Yeah. So I developed this enormous strength that I took construction. I worked as a laborer, then an iron worker on the World Trade Center. Then when I was a cop, I never killed nobody. Mm. One tough cop never killed anybody. Mm. I got shot at. I got stabbed. I always depended on my physical strength. And that was one of the things that really catapulted my life was the physical. I didn't have to shoot nobody. I could fight with anybody. The Hayes brothers, they were Nicky Bonds guys. I used to fist fight with these guys. The gang members, the seven immortal savage skulls. I used to sit in the back of the store with the Puerto Rican when, uh, owners there. When they would come to shake them down, extort them, I'd come out of the back. And Tommy Collar and my partner he used to have a nine millimeter. He would stand there and say, this is a fair fight. I'd fist fight with him. I wouldn't lock him up. i say, you come back here? i said, then you're going to get locked up. But always depended on that physical strength, and that got me through being a cop. Well, because then people had a real fear of police, an honest fear of police. Well, we can lock them up, too. Who, who keep them in order. Now, there's no fear of the police because the police have been handcuffed, and not only that, they can't touch a guy this way. They can't. No, how, how, do you, how do you arrest somebody and put handcuffs if you can't climb on top of them? Headlock. Headlock has been misconstrued. That's one of my words. Mm. Misconstrued means i taken guys, hundreds of guys down, big guys. I was only 5'8 at one time. Six foot three guy, you grab him a headlock, you bring him down to the ground. You can't not touch him. Now that you can't do a headlock because they call it a chokehold. That's a right. chokehold is in a headlock. And you're, you're a fighter, Curtis. You know what I'm talking about. Did anybody ever die from you getting them in a the headlock? No, no. Or, or put them in the Sicilian backbreaker to make sure that they didn't reach for any kind of a weapon. And by the way, I remember when you became a cop, did they have the height requirement then? Yeah, at five foot eight, I had to sleep on the floor. I made it. Now I would be one of the tallest cops out there. Well, you know, remember. Remember two-ton Tony Seminario, the yeah, assemblyman yeah, 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 from yeah, yeah. Richmond Hill, Queens? 400 pounds he Seminario. He couldn't become a cop. He would go to the Polygonia Bakery with his friends, <laughs> and they'd have the truck, and it would pull out from the dock, and he would hold on, and they would try to stretch him. Well, I had to sleep on the floor, because back then you had to go down to Worth Street, and they had this thing where you put your heels, they checked the bottom, so you wouldn't put no chewing gum under your heels, and the red light and green light, and, and I made it. My brother Alan, God rest his soul, was too short. He couldn't go on. He was up like half an inch too And short. a lot of those guys went on to corrections. Like uh, two-ton right. two Tony Seminario went to corrections on Rikers. So I think that takes takes us to a really important issue today. You know, 
everybody's shocked with these mass shootings across the country. You know, they highlight it, and we all feel it. We all get it. But do you realize what's going across our country? We're becoming one of the murder capitals of the world. We used to talk about Mexico, 35,000 murders a year. Oh, my God. Do you know how many murders are in 21, in 2021, Curtis? Mm. No, give me that number. Over 21,000 murders across this country. Of them, over 13,000 were blacks killed by 98% other blacks. Sure. Right now, we're worrying about the mass shooting. My thing is, the mass killings are being done every day in our mostly democratic cities with the tightest gun control. All of a sudden, you get this hokel schmokel, uh, gun control. It ain't the guns that are killing people. Also, the fact that they're able to go on social media, all these little gangbangers that we all know. Sure. They're standing there with their nines and they're, they're all their equipment. Uh, excuse me, if you're a convicted felon, Curtis, and you're posing with a gun, that should be enough for the cops to get a warrant, go to your house, lock your ass up, and get the gun and get you and lock them up. The only problem is when they get locked up, Curtis, why do you think cops are frustrated? They're right out the door. My thing, Biden wants to be a president. I don't even think he knows where the hell he is, but he <laughs> wants to do something. What we should do is every gun in this country— we want to stop gun violence. Every gun should be prosecuted with the federal government where they have a minimum. If you're a convicted felon and you get caught with a gun, you ain't going nowhere. Seven-year minimum. Mm. And if we start cracking down, I guarantee you. I know my friend John Katsimatidis talks about it, but he did copy from Bo. Yes. Three to 4,000 of these little pieces of garbage running around. That's the crime wave of New York City. He's very, very true in that. These, if we take them and put them in jail— Hey, look at we have to build more jails. We could build them bigger, better, and safer. Let's build more jails. When we got mad dogs, pit bulls that are biting people. I know you love animals, yes. but what do you do with them, Bo? You 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 keep feeding them, or you let them keep biting people? No, you just say say Inara. My point is, we got to take these criminals. The difference when I was a cop and a detective, when I locked them up, they went to jail. Today, they laugh at you. They they get how many times? Well, you- give me an example in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, right? The biggest yeah. borough and like the Bronx, the most active boroughs when it comes to violent crime. Eric Gonzalez is the DA. Huh. You get busted. Loaded nine millimeter. You haven't shot at anybody yet. First time you go to remediation once a week. They have Coca-Cola pizza yeah. for you and you have to promise you'll never do it again. And naturally, the gunsling has come in. They can't believe that. Once a week, and you give me pizza and Coca-Cola, and all I have to do is swear I won't do it again. But when you look at the records, Curtis, these guys are getting four or five times locked up with loaded guns. At what point do you say, Finzies, no more? No, you got to do that. Now, let's turn our attention to that mass shooting that everyone's talking about. If you remember when we had the rash of these Muslim terrorists, remember the guys shooting up everything? Oh, sure. And what, what did they always do whenever they hit, hit a place? They went for body count. The law changed because when I was a cop, oh, calling uh, Frank Bowe's hostage negotiating team, hostage, let's negotiate, there's hostages that may be in there. Then they changed it. Across this country was changed. When you have an active shooter, what are you supposed to do, Curtis? You're supposed to go in there and stop that active shooter. Right. Because all they want is body count. Sure. And it seems as though these little scumbag shooters, that's what they want, body count. So what do you have to do? It doesn't take rocket science. You got to get find your balls and go. 
go in there. You might get killed, but that's why you took the job. That's why firemen run into a blazing fire. That's why you took the job. I'm very, very upset being an ex-cop that these guys didn't say, you know what, get a garbage can, put it in front of you or whatever. Don't wait for nothing. Let's go in there and take this guy out. If we go in there with five of us blazing our guns at this little punk, let him try to take five of us out. But let's go. Let's save these children. I mean, when I look at those little faces, it's just, it's horrific. And I just feel as though, you know, again, the cops are not getting any support. We know what's going on. You walk around these streets, cops tell me, well, I'm not getting involved, Bo. You know why? They want to take my pension. They want to take my job, yep, fire me. They do. And then you got some morons that are sitting there that are judging these cops what they did. And then how, in God's name, do you arrest somebody without touching them? Well, you know, the worst thing, Bo, is up in Albany, you had this state senator named Alessandra Biagi, the granddaughter of Mario Biagi, who got involved in 25 firefights as a New York cop, most highly decorated cop ever, I Mario Biagi. I remember Mario. Great. One of the greatest, maybe of all time. So years ago, his son, Mario Biagi Jr., said, Curtis, can you do me a favor? My niece would like to intern at WABC for the summer. Yeah. I said, no problem. It was Alessandria Biagi who was responsible for repealing qualified immunity from all police officers from Buffalo to Brooklyn. So that means everyone else is protected by the taxpayers. It don't matter. Andrew Cuomo, judges, prosecutors, if you're a cop, you're no longer protected. So that means the basically the granddaughter of Mario of Biagi. Of hero, Mario Biagi. Stripped cops of their qualified immunity, which is another reason the cops are not going to take a risk because nobody's got their back. You know, it's very simple. If you don't support the cops, the cops ain't going to do their job. And you know what? I talk to them every day, and like you do too, because all the cops love you too, Curtis. And the fact is that they know that you're very supportive of what they do out there. Yeah. But when you get when you get people riding these subways that are being victims, the victims, everyone's worrying about these little scumbag criminals. Oh, they had a bad upkeep. My father was born in Germany. My mother's born in Sicily. My father used to beat me with the belt buckle all the time. Did I turn out to be a bad kid? Respect, honor, and don't lie, and you're always there. My point is that these kids grow up without a father. I do understand it, but we have to not coddle when you got a guy blowing a guy away like on a subway, shooting that poor guy in the chest for no reason. We have a murder country right now. And if we don't get ourselves together, and it could be compromises. There could be compromises in Washington. Get the Republicans in debt. Let's compromise. There's no need for 40 banana clips, street sweeper with 100 rounds. We shouldn't be. Silences, cop killer bullets. We should have some legislation to monitor. Hey, look, if you can't hit Bambi with five shots... You know what? You shouldn't have a right to, because if Bambi was shooting back at you and you shoot your five shots, you know what you do? You leave. Let Bambi live. Well, the worst thing is gangbangers or anybody can go right online yeah. and order Kevlar, body armor. And I'll never forget, this years ago, two Serbian guys who was North Hollywood, California, robbed a bank. Yeah. All of a sudden, oh, LAPD showed up. And they had, the, they had those flak vests on with the metal plates. They were shooting them, but they couldn't stop them. Right. The cops had to go to gun shops exactly. to get more high-powered weaponry because they didn't have it. 
They had a shootout for two hours. As you said, LAPD bullets were bouncing off them. Yep. And they were just capping LAPD officers yep. along I the way. I remember that. And they had the armor-piercing bullets that were piercing the vests of the cops yep. even. But, you know, we have to all get together. There's no one solution here, Curtis. It's got to be. And social media. I'm up for banning all these violent videos. Call it armor. Call it this. I know a lot of people became very rich by it. But right now, that influence of that violence has to be debated in Congress. Why do we need to see a guy's head exploding? And that's part of these serial killers and these mass murderer guys. They all, when they look at their social media, they're all on that social media. There's some some rhyme or reason to it. That's one part of it. Also, what you just said, complete background. But using the social media, before you're able to get a license, let's do a background on social media. Let's see what's being posted. We've got to get smart. It's not a one solution again. And also, incarceration of the criminals that are out there committing these crimes. You'll see, if we start putting them in, build. Build Rikers Island better. Build better dormitories there. More safe dormitories. I just watched it on the news with this new correction guy. They got new cells. It took that long for new cells, get the federal <laughs> government to get up with the gap because America is being murdered. Our country is being murdered, being murdered by the criminal element, not just shooting people. I'm talking about people smacking people in the face, punching people, robbing people, walking into stores, going shopping. Where are we going, Curtis? I've never in my lifetime, 72 years coming up if I make it, 72 years, I've never seen it this bad. But the overall feeling is so horrible. I tell you, I wake up in the middle of the night worrying. I'm worrying, and I don't worry about much of anything. And I worry about the direction and all of it with our economy, with the turning on the cops the way it is. I mean, what's the answer? There's got to be a long effect of a communication between the Democrats and Republicans. But then you have your girlfriend there, Hazio. Did you marry that one yet? No, no, no. Oh, I figured you married her <laughs> along the way. I figured she was going to be one of your uh, one of your wives eventually. <laughs> but the thing is that, you know, it has to be a mutual camaraderie where we have to realize the fact of what is going on out there. It's not a Republican or Democrat Yeah, thing. but you know, history tells us it's got to get worse before it gets better. Unfortunately, liberals and progressives have got to experience becoming victims and feeling the crime do, which they're starting to. Look at Park Slope, right? Never had problems. Yeah. The church sanctuary violated. They stole the tabernacle. Yeah. Two million dollars. They torched a nearby store that all the the progressives and liberals love. Yeah. And then you saw the great employee of Goldman Sachs, Enriquez, uh-huh. get shot, executed Going in the back brunch. of the Q train. And you notice that Bill de Blasio, who wants to run for Congress yeah. in that area, yeah. he had nothing to say about all three of them. And yeah. he wants to be the Congress. He, he wants to go to Washington to destroy our country like he destroyed he, the city. He, you know, say what you want about Eric Adams. And I understand, look, all I say was out of the group that was there, he was the best of a lot. Oh, we had Wiley Whiplash there. <laughs> so I was just praying. I was praying to God. I'm not happy with what's going on with him. I'm just praying to God, and I've tried to reach out many times. He has to do an assertive effort. He has to get on the soapbox, and he has to talk about what we're talking about today, what we have to do. We just can't keep kicking the can down the street. We have to deal well, with it. Well, I think it. what he has to do is instead of speaking generically, he's got to name and shame. Right, and go after so He's got to say cousins in the state senate, hasty in the assembly, 
Alvin Bragg. He won't condemn Alvin Bragg. No. You know what you do now. You show up at Dwayne Reed, the looter, who says, I won't shoot you. I'm just going to yeah. loot. Give me my Alvin Bragg swag bag, please, so I can go up and down the aisles. But the worst thing in the world, Curtis, was when he gave a B-plus to Big Bird Bill oh, de Blasio. Yes. And I'm going to tell you something. I still stand on this thing. When I ran against this creep, I stood on one thing, was the fact that when we had the bribery with those two Jewish guys from Brooklyn, they gave money to somebody. But to have bribery, a bribe giver and a bribe receiver. And he was the bribe yes. receiver. Yes. Never were prosecuted. His wife there, Tootley Do, Tootley D, whatever her name is, she took a billion dollars. And I guarantee you they have these nonprofits and they have backdoor head. I have a slush fund back there where it was going to write. I'm saying it again. Why don't you sue me for slander or liable? One of those good things, Mr. de Blasio, because I'd love to depose you and your wife. He doesn't want to sue nobody. No, Because no. that will open Pandora's of box. Course. He was the worst mayor for eight years that we ever had. He put these friggin', he insisted on these bike lanes, these motorcycle guys. Now you got the Sunday afternoon. You ever see what goes on Sunday afternoons in New York City on a Sunday afternoon? Oh, yeah, the About ATVs, the quads. Yeah, ATVs, and nobody's stopping them. You use aviation, you follow them to wherever they go, and then you hit them with a warrant, you crush the damn thing. We have, because uh, yeah. I've been over to Floyd Bennett Field, yep. where they keep the plane, they keep yep. the helicopters. Yep. They have all these modern drones, small drones. Yep. They could easily be assigned. Just follow these guys when they're popping their wheelies. Yep. And the next thing you know, there's a roadblock with cops up ahead. And you check their papers, most of those bikes are stolen. They got no license, no registration. You take them to the precinct. You say, when you get your paperwork, come come retrieve No, you crush the damn thing. Of course, but by you, then, you crush it. You see, you know, but, but now all of a sudden, you would have made a great mayor. You would have made a great mayor, Curtis. And that would, hands down, well, what we got today, because you know the reality. I knew the reality, yep. too. Everyone was afraid of me. Then, you know, I don't want to talk against uh, the head of the Republican Party at that time. All I said was, let me run against Malatakis in a primary. You know, they threw me off the Republican, Democratic lines. That was Bill de Blasio, had his general counsel. Yeah. They didn't want me to run as a Democrat because I would have beat him up really good. And every time he saw me, Curtis, he's six foot nine. He runs. He's got ball bag like BBs. He'd run off the stage. My point was, they didn't want me to run. And I should have stayed as a Republican from the beginning. I listened to Ken Langone and Steve Cohen from the Mets. Uh, I listened to them. Oh, become a Democrat. You know what? I don't agree with party. We have good Democrats. Look at the guy in West Virginia mansion. Sure. If he ran for president, you know what, Curtis? Mm -hmm. I'd vote for him tomorrow because mm. he told everybody, no, I'm doing what's right, not what you want me to do. Mansion is my choice. He should become a Republican and let him run. And you know what? Donald Trump, I know him 40-something years. His big problem is he's a narcissist, and he makes up stories, and people hate him. He'll never get reelected, and I don't want to waste this election. I need someone that can win. Oh, no, understood. Because who's going to back up uh, Fredo there? Right. But look, Trump went through primaries. He'll go through primaries again as he tries to become president. Biden went through primaries. Primaries are good. I went through a primary to yeah. win the GOP nomination against Mateo. We should encourage primaries because when you have primaries, you have choice. And you get to hear the candidates and you get to make a choice. When there are no primaries, you have no idea who the people are well, uh, exactly. they don't have to speak up. And even with a Republican thing going, I tell you what, 
this kid, the Giuliani, I'm loving him more and more. Oh, yeah. No, I, no, I, Andrew, I, I'm, I ain't I'm, married to anybody. And when I listen to this kid, Giuliani, we need fresh blood. And he comes with his father's feelings and his father's view of what has to be done. We know we have a serious problem, Curtis, across this country. This is the murder capital of the world now. And... Every one of our Democrat city with the tightest, though the guns are huckled, guns, guns, guns. No, we have the tightest gun control in this state, in this city, and still the murders are just flying through the roof. It's not the answer. The answer is incarcerating the criminal element that is pulling the trigger of those guns, put them in jail, build new jails, get federal money, and let's do it. And notice the Democrats' biggest fears, because they know the United States Supreme Court is going to open up the process for a licensed carry permit for New Yorkers. Right now, there are two men who have uh, petitioned the court to say, don't understand, it's almost impossible to get, to get a gun in New York. Right. Yeah. And with the crime going up, if I already have a premise permit, because you have to qualify for that for your place of business yeah. or home, why can't I have a carry permit, which makes all the sense in the world? If you are a law-abiding citizen with no criminal record, you should be able to carry a firearm in New York City, anywhere in this country, because that's your rights. That's our constitutional rights. Sure. I'm not talking about carrying an AR. I'll tell you what, I'll switch it off. You give me rights for people to carry it, and then I'll, I'll switch it off. With your AR-15, we have to limit it, the AR-15, to a certain capacity clip. Let's do it. You know, in Florida, you can go to a store and buy a silencer. Do you know in Florida, you can go to a store and buy bullet-piercing killer cop bullets? Yep, yep. We have to get our hands around. Also, again, let's go back to the checks. Social media has been deemed, when I do investigations, corporate investigations, we hit that new, uh, that social media. Tells you everything. That should be used in a background check. Also, if there's a red flag that goes up, it should be given to the local police there to investigate this. If there's any kind of mental illness, I'm sorry to say with the HIPAA laws, oh, HIPAA, HIPAA, HIPAA dipper. My point is this is now life and death. This has to be a central place where we can disseminate if someone has mental problems and they're dealing with Certainly, they should be red flagged that they cannot buy a firearm. Also, I love your idea about the tactical equipment. What do we need tactical equipment other than cops and soldiers? What else? What, what, what exactly. Other look, you look at New York City. We're down at 34,000 cops. Rudy will tell you on his best day and worst day, if he hadn't had 40,000 cops when he got elected because of safe city, safe streets, yeah. the special tax that Dinkins and Peter Valone Sr. put into effect, all that money went to hiring and training cops. Rudy said, I wouldn't have been able to turn the city around. I needed the cops. Well, and luckily, he had the right choices to run the police department, and he had the cops to do it. And you had the support for the cops. Yes. You don't have these people running the CCRB, these liberal, uh, I don't want to say more because I, I get in trouble every time I talk about these liberals. The point is, these it's a kangaroo, a kangaroo court. How can you tell me, Curtis, you and I will go out now on the subway and we'll get a couple gangbangers and we'll fight with them and I'm going to use a headlock to get them down. But if they videotape it, Joe Cole, Joe Cole, that's one of you. And now the cop goes, oh, finzies, finzies. By the way, when you were a cop in the academy, they have the diaphragm laws now. I never knew where my diaphragm was no. or my goiter. Wow. Do you, but, but, but you did they train you diaphragm? But now this moron in Washington, his president, had a bill passed on the nas national level. Yep. Diaphragm law. Does he have a friggin' clue? 
I challenge anyone to try to arrest somebody who's resisting arrest where you can't climb on top of them. How the hell do you arrest well, them? Remember, when Hinckley mm-hmm. shot Reagan and shot his press secretary, yeah. remember, Secret Service were right on top of him, yeah. right on his they diaphragm. Be, Nowadays, that way they would say, oh, you, you, would, you used excessive force. <laughs> Hinkley, and Hinckley's walking around now. He's coming to Brooklyn. He's having a concert. Where? In Park Slope. Yeah, the dope from Park Slope. Can you believe you that? But I tell you what, the biggest friggin' joke of the year is Bill de Blasio wanting to run for office. We need Bill de Blasio like I need a five-inch herpy on my ding-dong. Now, I told, you know, you know my partner on Saturday says Anthony Weiner. Yeah. And he's got baggage. Mm. I said, Anthony, I just looked at this poll. De Blasio only has 6% support, yet 100% name recognition. In his backyard at Park Slope. But Wiener, if he were to jump in, even with all of his baggage, could beat de Blasio like he would have beaten him mm-hmm. if he ran for mayor. But also, you know, you got to remember when Malatakis ran against de Blasio and myself— Take me out of the equation. I didn't even have a line. You couldn't even find me. I, I couldn't find my own name. People were calling me <laughs> up. They did me in really good. But the point is right now is when Malatakis ran against what they did is unions, 32 BJ, 1199, they brought out those votes. What did he win? How many percent of the vote? 18% of the vote. And they were all his votes. Yep. Yep. And they bring him out so he appeases everywhere. He's all over the city. He did deals with all the real estate owners. He did deals with every. No one understands. And remember, the remember, I, I analyzed the vote. The majority yeah. of his vote came from the projects. And who did he screw the most? NYCHA. NYCHA completely fell apart in his eight years. So he didn't even reward the people. And the people who had don't put him realize that? Of the people that ill affected that they don't realize it, Curtis? Well, remember, politicians believe people are stupid. And unfortunately, a lot of times people keep proving that. NYCHA people, and remember, he had worked in NYCHA underneath. Andrew Cuomo at that time, who was in charge of HUD, his assistant mm-hmm. was Bill de Blasio. Right. So de Blasio knew about projects, yeah, and, and yet he did nothing for those people. And they've people. been disintegrated. The projects horrible, now horrible. Are, are so horrible right now. And these people, the same as crime, these people should realize we ain't going in the right direction. Let's try something else because this ain't working. Now, there's not a fool, fool from Queens, your girlfriend there, Ocasio-Cartola, whatever the hell her name is. AOC, the bar, all the out bar, crazy. Yeah, the bartender. Did you ever hear her be interviewed? Yeah. She's the dumbest thing in the world, and I'll tell her to her face. You're a dummy. You should have stayed. You didn't even know how to make a martini, so stop your crap. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, hey, Curtis, what a surprise today. We didn't even plan this, but I was very happy. Oh, no, I, no, no. I because love, we I love remember, do- we, uh, you have to refer people to your original podcast when we talked about wise guys that we grew up with. Wow. Howard Beach, Canarsie. Yeah. When you see Goodfellas and you see the Bamboo Lounge getting torched, yeah. a lot of people say, oh, that must have been Howard Beach, yeah, uh, yeah, South Ozone yeah. Park. That's Canarsie Avenue yep. and Rockaway yep. Parkway. I was there hours after it because everybody said, oh, they torched the Bamboo Lounge. Paulie Vario, Lucchese's, a lot of their time spent was right there in Canarsie. Well, you know, we get, you know, I do that, the Gravesend, great little series on TV. I've been doing I get shot in the stomach and shit. But it's, it's fun. But the big one coming, Nikki Pelleggi just put it together. They just got greenlit. Robert De Niro is going to play Vito Genovese and Frank Costello, two parts. $50 million green lit with Warner Brothers. And you ever hear of a guy named Tony Bender? 
Tony Bender was the underboss of, of Vito Genovese. I'm trying for the part. It's a major role. But I tell you now, what. Now, let, me, let me ask you a question, yeah. though. You, you're so professional. You've yeah. done so many of these, yeah. the Irishman. We go yeah. right on down the line. I know every organized crime figure in the world today. Our guy. Our, my guys. Sid Rosenberg. Yeah. In Gemini Lounge, yeah. a place that yeah. I knew well, yeah. the Testa yeah. brothers, yeah. Anthony Centaur, the degenerates, yeah. the worst degenerates. Yeah. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Here it is. Sid Rosenberg, born a proud Jew, a Zionist, <laughs> but always wanted to be an Italian. Could have been Chris Rosenberg there. Wait. Could have been Chris Rosenberg, <laughs> the first member of the Gemini Lounge killing who, team. Yeah, but who killed Chris Rosenberg? Oh, we'll call him his stepdad. Yeah, he whacked him. But who do you think whacked him? Who do you think whacked him and put him in the trunk with well, the chandelier? Well, I know the Tester brothers lured yeah. him. No, no. It was all about one thing. He would brag about how he killed people. Yeah. And it went right up to Castellano and all that. And then they go like this. We got to whack this effing ghoul. Mm. And that was it. Because he was bragging about how he killed him, caught him up. And the real classy wise guys don't want to hear, do it, but I don't want to hear how you did it. But you got to give us a movie review. <laughs> yeah. Because Sid went and he's playing some- Well, I got to I gotta wait to see it now. Some I'm, skinny, bellini Italian guy. Yeah. I said, you should have been Chris Rosenberg. And I told, Chris I told Rosenberg. Danny A, we should throw a friggin' wig on him because we didn't have bald head guys That's back true. then, you know? The only hair was the cuffs around the side. No well, bald head guys and no beards, except for the one guy. Who ran the chop shop, if you remember, the uh, junkyard on Fountain Avenue, who used to chemically incinerate the victims. They called them Santa Claus. In the 55-gallon drum. That's right. He's the only one who was permitted to wear a beard. Well, all I know is one thing. It's great to do with you. We should do more together because you have great insight. You've walked the walk. You know I've walked the walk. And I've been able to do that line because you always question me. And when you got shot, you forgot, you son of a gun. You gave the first first reward. I put a reward on. 25 Gs. And I didn't know where it came from, and obviously we all know where it came from, but my whole point was... It was you, and remember the great attorney who got Bernard Getz off yeah. the hook, Slotnick, Barry Slotnick, yeah. and to his credit, Charlie Rangel but you know, put one, up a one, reward too. One, uh, one of the big things with that, again, is how do you think Junior got off? How do you think he got off? They used this guy, Elite, as their main witness. The Albanian bad He was boy. a lion about everything. Yep. When he made the statement about, well, it was 1986, and I saw Bo Deedle giving papers to Richie Gotti Fredo, Richie Gotti, and he gave him cash. He was the uh, New York City homicide detective. One little problem. I retired February 14, 1985. 86, I was working the commission case for Ralph Scopo, for Barry Slotnick. I was a private investigator. But hold on, hold on. He lied about me being the New York detective. And then me and Joe Coffey, we had a news conference. Mm. And I said, if he can lie about me, he can lie about it. And his whole credibility went out. So in reality, he kind of, he this elite day was the reason why uh, Junior was. Well, let me tell you something. The guy who shot me five times with the hollow point bullets, yeah. best known for using machine guns for the Corazos, Michael Leonardi, he's out. He's out. He got out of Fort Dix recently. Yeah. So guys are coming up to me. You know, he's out. He's out. So, but what I told him is I said, you know, he better go for target practice. 
Because if he's going to try to do it, he's got to shoot me in the head. Well, you know what? I'm glad that they missed, and we move on, and you're my friend, and I, I like what you did when you ran for mayor. I'm just sorry you were pissing in a hurricane, and you didn't get the support you should have from everybody. Well, what we got to do, you got to promise, like yeah. Siskel and Ebert. Good. We get the popcorn, we sit there, yeah. we watch Sid Rosenberg try to follow in your footsteps in Gemini Lounge. And All this right. way we'll critique it. Because I knew the boys in the Gemini Lounge. You knew them. Yeah. Let's see how close to reality Sid comes. Because he knew quite a few of them, too. Yep. Well, Sid didn't know the guys in the Gemini Lounge. He knew two of them. Really? You two think so? Well, remember, he was a guy with a number he, two he pencil in Midwood. Moist. No, come on. He was a moist in Midwood. That's right. He Midwood. didn't know these guys. Come on. He didn't know the Bath Beach boys. But, but you he know. Was, he was on the periphery. Johnny Gotti told me. Yeah. Johnny Gotti told me that that Roy DeMeo's crew were bad, bad asses. You know who taught them to play stickball? Who? Joey Testa, Patty Testa, and Anthony Centaur. Oh, tell me Pepitone. Curtis Lewa. What about Joey Pepitone from Ganassi? Oh, yeah, well, he's the fixer. The yeah. fixer for Mario Facha yeah. Bruta Cuomo, yeah. 69th Precinct. And the testers, their own brother was in the 69th Precinct, wow. feeding him information. Wow. See, all roads lead to Canarsie. Yeah, or Ozone Park. Yep. <laughs> Listen, Curtis, I want to thank you very much for doing my podcast. You made it quite interesting. We should do it again. You're welcome anytime. Thank you, Curtis. And I can't even tell people to send you money anymore. No, right? no, no, ah, no. Okay. No, no. Thank said, you, tell Curtis. Them to send it to the Guardian. All English. right. Thank you, Curtis. Thank right. you. Bye bye. Right. Thank you, Mo. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.